Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 4. Here's Pastor Ryan. If you hear my words and, and believe in him, you're, you will pass from death to life. It is about hearing. It is about what he preached. It is about what he said. It is about what he has written. Faith in Christ means to agree with what he says you need. And you lay down your life to follow him. That is saving faith. You know the verses in John 3, 16 through 21, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so Jesus preaching, it comes by hearing and believing, believing. Abraham was justified by believing, by believing. It is by faith that we are saved, only through faith. And there's that free will where he says, you know, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, but men don't come to the light because their deeds are evil. There's that free will across the board where if one wants to believe, they can believe. But why don't they believe? Because their deeds are evil. They want to continue to live for themselves. They do not want Jesus telling them what to do. But to be saved, to be like Abraham, is to believe what Jesus said. And what did he say in Nazareth? And what did he say in Galilee and Capernaum? What did he say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Follow me. Follow me. We are people who follow the Lord. Amen? Verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. And so here is a beautiful truth about our God is that he justifies the ungodly. Right? In which we all were before we came to know Jesus. I was ungodly. I was a, I was a, a wicked, sinful young man. And Christ justified me when I put my faith in him. That is who Jesus is. What a perfect example Paul gives us in David. 
King David. He was a man after God's own heart, right? He loved the Lord. But we know that King David fell into adultery. And we know that that adultery led to murder and a cover-up. But we also know that when the prophet Nathan hit him up about his sin, finally held him to what he had done, David repented before God. And Psalm 32 are his words, as well as Psalm 51. Turn with me to Psalm 32. And let's, let's check that out. And give me an amen once you are there. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute inequity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my inequity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the inequity of my sin, Selah. King David did not work to be forgiven. He cried out to God, and God removed his transgressions from him. Isn't that beautiful? That's the free grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That is how one becomes a Christian. It's not by works. It's by believing in him. But David worked the rest of his life, didn't he? To try to honor God the best that he could because he knew that he was a sinner that was forgiven. And, and, and blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Those are, that's, he, he realized that. He experienced to be a blessed person because he didn't have to work. The grace of God, it seems to some people that it isn't fair. We should have to work for it. No. No. No, because then it becomes a debt. And if it's a debt, then wages must be paid. But there's no good work that we can do. The price is too heavy. It takes an unblemished sacrifice to take the sins away. And that unblemished sacrifice is Jesus Christ. He's the Lamb of God who died on the cross. He had no sin. He had no blemishes. It was for you and for me that he died. And that is the heaviness of the price. He is the propitiation of God. He satisfies the righteous judgment of God that should have came to us, should have came to King David, but instead it came upon him. And I like how he said, you know, blessed is the man. Is it a blessing to be forgiven of your sins? Have your sins been forgiven by the Lord? Yes. 
Should we obey him because he has forgiven us? What if we choose not to? There's a lack of, of gratitude. There's a lack of gratitude. And the Bible says, examine yourself to see whether you're, you are in the faith or not. We need to be careful and be cautious. But it is a blessing to be forgiven. This is why the Christian joy is, is famous around the world. It should be famous. We should be the most rejoicing people on earth. We should be the most joyous people. And, and it matters not of our circumstances or our environment or our possessions or our feelings. Because our feelings are like the weather. I think worse than the weather. The weather doesn't upset me as much as my feelings does. <laughs> feelings are feelings. But the truth is, our transgressions have been removed. And, and, and the Bible teaches us you should be rejoicing. You should be celebrating every day of your life if we truly knew what he has saved us from. Where he said there will be gnashing of the teeth and where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, speaking of hell. We're not going there anymore, but we have everlasting life. We should be the most joyful people. Then why are some Christians not joyful? Why? They're still looking at their circumstances around them. They're still letting their flesh say, yeah, doesn't that feel bad? They haven't learned to tell their flesh, be quiet. You're not the boss of me. In spite of how I feel, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I've been saved. Or the circumstances. When God saved me, my circumstances weren't the way they are now. My circumstances are fantastical. We have a church. I have a family. I have love. I have sobriety. I have everything I could have ever wanted. Thank you, Jesus. But that wasn't the case for many years. It was just like Jesus and I, and that was enough. And learning to rejoice in spite of having a tough job and a tough boss and a, no money and all of the things that this world, you know, gets on us for. I like what Habakkuk says in Habakkuk chapter 3. You can write this down. Listen, I, I went to the trouble. Please write it down. Habakkuk 3. Verse 17 through 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills." I love that. In spite of the conditions, in spite of what's going on in our country or who's in the White House or what's happening around the world, in spite of all of the uncertainty, here's what is certain. I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation because my salvation, what he has done for me on the cross, is the key to my joy and no one can take it from me. 
And we have to say no more to our flesh, the devil, the world, or any so-called friends who just want to take your joy from you. We need to encourage joy in one another. Spouses, encourage your, your, your husband, your wife. Be joyful in the Lord. Remember the cross. Be here when we take communion to remember the love of the cross so that we rejoice. Psalm 21 verse 1 says, The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. Psalm 51, 12, you know the verse, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous uh, spirit. I think of the 10 lepers that Jesus healed and they cried out, we're unclean, we're unclean, but if you're willing, you can make us clean. He said, I am willing. And as they went to the priests, they were healed. And one of the 10 turned back to give Jesus thanks, fell on his feet and just worshiped him and was grateful. And Jesus says, said, were there not 10 of you? Where are the other nine? Only one has come back to give thanks. And he was a Samaritan. We need to rejoice. We have every reason to be happy. Every reason. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. Abraham and Sarah could not have kids for a hundred years. Did they still love the Lord and worship the Lord? Yeah. Does this blessedness then come, verse 9, upon the circumcised only? Or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While, it, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. When God appeared to him and told him that he would have a son, Abraham was not circumcised yet. That, that covenant was not given until two chapters later in Genesis chapter 17. Abraham already had faith in God. He was already right with God. Circumcision just was like icing on the cake. It was an outward, you know, demonstration that they were not going to be a people led by the flesh, but of the spirit, that they were believers in God. It was the result of him already believing. It's the same with our baptism today. Why is one baptized? Not to get saved. But because one has been saved, because one has already trusted in Christ and had faith in Christ, then they do the rite of baptism to show to the world what has taken place already. I've already had faith. It's already done. This is an outward uh, action of what has taken place inwardly. As I go under the water, I die with Christ. The old man, the old woman, all of our sinful ways dies with Christ on that cross. And when we come up out of the water, as Jesus rose from the grave, we are coming out with new resurrected lives. Doesn't save us. We've already had faith. Circumcision didn't save them. Abraham already had faith. Amen? And that is what Paul is saying here. 
And he received the sign of circumcision, verse 11, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of the circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while uncircumcised. And because Abraham believed while uncircumcised, he's the father of not just uh, Jews who are circumcised, but to all the world. Because he believed prior to being circumcised, so both Gentiles, Jews, whomever. He, Abraham is the father of faith for the whole world for those who would believe in the Son of God, whether circumcised or not. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. So the law points out our transgressions. It, it tells us that we, we, we cannot uphold it. We're all guilty before the law. So righteousness doesn't come in keeping the law. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be accounted to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, Abraham believed so that he became the father of many nations. There in Genesis God called Abraham out of the tent and he told him, look up at the sky, see the stars. That's how many your descendants are going to be on the earth. Mighty. Without him ever seeing it. Contrary to hope. What do you mean contrary to hope? Meaning he's an old man. He had no son. How could, how could this be? And it was because God sees things before they happen. He knows the, the, the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Faith believes contrary to hope, contrary to your circumstance perhaps this morning. It may be a bad circumstance. Who cares? Because God is able to do exceeding and above all you can think or ask. There is no problem too difficult that God cannot solve. There's no blessing or promise so unbelievable that he cannot bless you if he has spoken to your heart that you're going to have it. Abraham believed and became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. You know, it's like saying he's going to become a football player or something. It's hard to believe, but Abraham would have said, okay. 
and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That should be our model. That should be how we live. There ain't nothing too hard that God calls you to do that that you cannot do through Christ. Everything that God calls us to do, isn't it above our pay grade? Right? Isn't it like, no, I can't do that. Moses, no, I can't do that. I can't speak. Jeremiah, I'm a youth. I cannot speak. How many more in the Bible felt insecure and insignificant and that I just can't do the job that you want me to do? And maybe that's you here today. I can't do what other people do. And and to to some of us, it's, it's some of the basic things in life. Depression has hit in. Anxiety, doubt, worry. We become lethargic. We're not the men or women that we should be or that God called us to be. Sometimes we we need to just eat a good meal, get a good nap, and get going. And stop making excuses for, for not believing that God can do the impossible. He's the God of the fatherless. I'm fatherless. But I'm the spiritual father of a lot of people, ironically, by the miracle of God. You see how he works? He takes the foolish things, the weak things, the despised things, and he changes us. That's the beauty of who Jesus is. So if you think it's too hard, if you think you can't do those things that other people can but not you, that's not faith. That's the opposite of faith. That's giving up. He can change us. And I'm learning this 22 years later. I'm learning that I can be what Christ wants me to be today. The change happens today. Make the changes. Eat better, sleep better, study more, pray more, clean your house, clean your space, show up on time, get involved. Today's a day of change. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall, not, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Abraham's story was not just written for him. It was written for us. That's what God is saying right now. Okay, he was told, a hundred-year-old man was told he's going to have a son who would be the, in that he would be the father of many nations. A hundred-year-old man was told that. And that hundred-year-old man believed God. And that was written not just for him, but for you and I to believe today. That we can't worship human weakness. Ryan is the enemy. I'm speaking to myself. This is me. You're the enemy, dude. 
Not the Christ-like Ryan, not the regenerated, born-again Ryan. But the flesh is, that's the reality. And too many of us are still worshiping the flesh. Flesh is hungry, flesh is tired. Flesh doesn't really want to be about the things of God today. So then, flesh wins. Oh, woe is me, other people can do it, and not just me. No, that's Satan talking. The Bible says that all temptation is common to man. In other words, we all feel that way sometime or, or the other. All of us feel that way. All of us are tempted from sometime or, or the other. But God makes the way of escape. So that at the end, he's just when he judges. Why didn't you do anything for me when you were down on, on the earth? Well, because I wasn't like other people, Lord, and, and I was weaker than they. Well, you can't say that because the Bible says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And he who calls you is faithful who will also do it. God will be with you in the building of the temple. Whatever he has given you, God will provide the energy, the strength, the diligence to take care of it. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.